morning, everyone. Great to be with you all this morning. Um, when Taryn was sharing that story in the first service, uh, it reminded me of um, Hebrews 10, so I just wanted to read it quickly, if that's okay. Um, and it's talking about our confidence in our salvation, our salvation and our confidence in God. It says, remember those early days of your faith when you had received the light of Jesus, when you stood your ground in the middle of a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed and insulted, but you sympathized with those in prison and you joyfully accepted the looting of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised you. I just got a sense, as Taryn was sharing, like how many of us when uh, little curveballs come and things are thrown at us in the last few years have maybe just shut down our, our, our hope and expectation and lost our confidence. And this today and the rest of um, uh, the six weeks is about how do we get that confidence back. So more on that um, in a little bit. But just a, a quick two bits of family news. So the Hazels send their love. They are down in uh, the Eastern Cape and their oldest uh, daughter got married yesterday. So they've been sending through lots of videos and photos. So we celebrate with them. And then um, we're praying uh, with the Galloways who are imminently awaiting the arrival of their little boy. And so they're in a holding pattern at the moment. So we're just praying for God's protection and blessing over them. So a little bit of family um, news before we, we crack on. Um, so I don't know how many of you, um, there's that period from Christmas to the first few days of January when work starts where you just get holiday brain, do you know what I mean? Like uh, you kind of know that it's a day but you couldn't, you couldn't put a name to it like is it Wednesday, is it the 15th and you're like maybe I'll look at the TV, see if there's cricket on because that's a little bit of a clue about what day it is. Am I eating hot turkey or cold turkey, another little clue. Um, but really I don't know if you found this but my brain just goes into like real switch off mode and I go from quite routine and like I know where my wallet and keys are and I remember things to they just they could be anywhere right, they could be anywhere within the KwaZulu Natal and so at some point I hope I find my car keys again. Maybe you can relate or not. And so anyway, in the middle of that holiday brain, I was down in Durban North for a family gathering, and I was charged with going to Woolies to pick up some food, and um, I arrived and confidently str uh, striding into the um, shop, and the security guy said, you know, can you please put your mask on? And holiday brain went, oh, uh, I don't have a mask. And yeah, I don't know if you remember this, at some point in lockdown two, we all bought off one day only that infinite supply of black or blue masks that we thought would just last forever. And apparently they actually come to an end. And at some point in the days before, my car was now empty of these backup masks. And so I had to nip next door to the gift shop to buy a mask, and they didn't have, but they had three wonderful buffs for me to choose from for uh, 30 Rand, uh, a very bright pink um, hearts and roses buff, um, a very like skulls and blood and daggers buff, or this uh, one that I'm wearing now. So I bought the, you know, the subtle one, um, went shopped at Woolworths, and then I kept wearing it for the next while because it's convenient. And then I suddenly realized, uh, like I was, whenever I was walking past or even talking to like cousins, the little cousins, uh, toddlers, I was getting this like, kind of strange look, and I realized after a while, I'd been walking around for a week with um, kind of the, the skull of death um, on my face, not really having realized, thinking, thinking that I was subtly camouflaged in with the crowd, and actually what I had on me was, um, you know, one of the representatives of Haiti. So, um, little thought to keep in the back of your head as we jump into the next few weeks is, let's... Let's really be sure that the way we're walking into this year, the stuff we're carrying with us, that we're, we, we know what it is. Let's know the stuff that we're um, outwardly carrying around, but let's know, more importantly, the stuff that we're inwardly carrying around. And if I was to ask the hanging question for uh, 2022, is how do you feel like your confidence level 
in God is as you go into this year? Like, how's your spiritual confidence? And we'll look at what that means in a second. Is it good? Is it bad? Where is it? And let's make sure that we know that and can do something about it. So I'd venture to guess that for, for most of us, our confidence in God, our spiritual confidence, probably needs some strengthening. Uh, I think that's generally true because it seems to leak in our habits and the way we go about our days, but it's definitely true um, when we reflect on the, the short and medium term that's just gone past us. And so I'm really excited to preach over the next six weeks about how we have confidence in God alone how we can be deeply rooted in that confidence, how, how it can become contagious within a community and the way we uh, pray and the way we live out our faith and the way we invite others into our faith and the way we're obedient to what God is calling us to do. And so starting off a series with a reminder of some invitations. We don't just want to talk about this stuff. We actually want to take steps in our faith. And so come along to that prayer meeting, the first and third um, uh, Thursday mornings of the month that Taryn uh, mentioned. Um, what else can you do? Well, you can track along every day at a prayer journal and a, a reading journal, journal based out of Bill Johnson's book, um, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. Uh, we've done a devotional version of that where there's a scripture and a thought and a few good prayerful journaling questions. And that's going to be available on our WhatsApp channel later today and on our social media. If you're not signed up, you can chat to Shannon at the computer and get signed up for that broadcast. And then, ladies, come along to hear prophetic words. There's nothing like when God would speak to you about your circumstances and the promises that he has for you. And so we want to preach this for the next little while, but we want to invite you to come and participate as a community and individuals in being confident in the Lord. But uh, before we carry on, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 17, which is the key scripture for today. Um, and it'll be up on the screen, although I'm going to read a little bit extra than I initially thought. So Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 5. This is what the Lord says. It's contrasting two different approaches. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for their strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. I don't know um, when I say the word confidence, when Taryn kind of says that um, series title and the beautiful design goes up there, I'm sure there's not exactly a unified picture in our minds. I thought it would be helpful just to make sure that we're all talking and thinking about the same thing when it comes to biblical Confidence, And so what does the scripture mean? What does the Bible mean when it says the word confidence? Um, there's seven different words that we can translate into English as confidence. Three of them Hebrew and four of them Greek. So it's mibtach, bitach, and batach uh, from Hebrew, and patho, therio, parhesia, and elpidos. And just, you know, that's not helpful in itself. But when you track through them and study the threads of um, the words that get translated as confidence, you end up with these five beautiful categories of confidence that I hope we'd hold in our hearts and minds for the next little while. So what does the Bible mean when it says confidence? Well, it talks about confidence as security and safety. It talks about confidence as an assurance of a promise that's been made that we can be confident in. It's talked about confidence as us having the courage to act in faith. 
It talks about confidence as a hope in something good going to happen that will happen. And it talks about confidence as trust in a person or a relationship. Um, so I put this up in the first service, and then Rory, a guy playing drums, came to me and said, you should have just stopped there, man. That was enough. I was like, so maybe the rest of the sermon is not great. Maybe we could just stop it there. But a helpful little snapshot that I think as we talk about this, as we meditate on it and study it and share scriptures throughout the week, to start to get a picture of the kind of people God's inviting us to be. Uh, he desires deep confidence for us individually. And as the image we're going to see in a second, he desires for us to be a community of confidence that's deeply planted in him. So here's what the scripture is doing. It's saying, don't be like this bush that um, evidently is actually in the middle of a road. So it's even worse than Jeremiah 17. But just the picture of starkness, no fruit, no real use, fear, heat. Um, and there's a, that interesting line that says we'll not see prosperity when it comes. There's a way that we can live in our faith and confidence that even when prosperity arrives, we've planted ourselves in such a way that we would miss it. Um, so the next picture is a picture of a single tree planted beautifully, deep roots by a river, beautiful evergreen, but maybe that's not even the final picture. The final picture seems to be, could we become a people of faith that when we connect ourselves together alongside one another, deeply planted, um, even in a barren land, even around the heat, we could become this oasis in Kloof, in Durban, for our friends and family and colleagues who desperately need something evergreen and fruitful and strong and solid that can withstand the waves of desert and heat around us. So I think a helpful little visual just to have in our, our heads alongside those confident, uh, categories of confidence. Um, as I'm speaking this morning, I'm aware that there's probably a different, you know, people are in different spaces in their life. I, I was chatting to someone last week um, who, the way I would sum them up was they had just, if you could have a trust level of 100 in anything, they it just felt like their off switch had been hit through what had gone on in their life in the last little while. And I would say that they don't have any hope for a better future in anyone, whether it's God or people, aren't really trusting that people can you know, fulfill their promises, don't act out of faith. So their trust level was just very, very switched off. And I think that's probably the smallest group of people, but it is a group of people that we are amongst us. Sometimes life throws so many curveballs that our hope and confidence gland almost, it just stops operating. But I think I'd put myself in the second category of people that are, are, are sitting here, which is a lot bigger, which is those of us who, for good reasons, and neither of those categories are evil, but we eagerly desire good things and good news, and, and we're hoping in something, and we are trusting, but what we find ourselves naturally doing is trusting in the things of man and not necessarily in the things of God. We, we put our hope, we put our anchor, we put our confidence in things that aren't Jesus and his promises. And I think both of those groups end up in pain unless we take this invitation to readjust and build our confidence in God, plant ourselves deeply next to the water of life. Um, so now uh, Florida Road um, Olive Tree is also starting this series and Ross is preaching and I was chatting to him this weekend and said, hey, how are you going to um, you know, do a, a confidence audit in the room? And he said, well, here's what I'm going to do down in Florida Road. I'm going to get people all excited and happy at the beginning and tell some cool stories and go, how are we feeling? Are we excited about the year? And then I'm going to put up the 20 worst headlines from News 24 and Fin 24 from the last little while and then go, how are you feeling now? But I'm not going to do that because I'm a much nicer person than Ross, but just <laughs> spare a thought for the people down in Florida Road who are reading like the worst of the worst from around the world, you know, tsunamis and, and uh, stock market crashes and all that sort of thing. But here's the question. Uh, how, wherever your confidence level is, and you can keep it personally to yourself, but, but the dream, the goal is surely that we would have 
this eternal, unshaking rootedness in God, right? I mean, that's got to be the picture of what we want for this year. And so the big question for me is, Matt, how do you move your heart and your confidence from trusting in man naturally to trusting in God supernaturally and, and, and bearing much fruit and being evergreen? So let's first go, well, what do we mean when we say man-made confidence? Because I don't think it's far away some of the pictures of how we brought up, even in our Christianity, to think confidence looks like. So what is man-made confidence? Well, I think confidence in the flesh would say a bunch of things like this. Uh, there is a place that you can go to, a physical place, where you can almost guarantee prosperity and safety and protection. And so a lot of us growing up grow up thinking of a neighborhood or a city or a country where if I could get there, that is the best chance I've got of protection and provision and safety. So I think man-made confidence in protection and security, that first category looks like that. I think man-made confidence says if I can develop my skill and my track record and build a network, then I can be the captain of my own well-being and I can be the provider for a bunch of other people. If I just invest enough in that network and in my skill, then I'll be able to be that confidence for others, right? I think this is kind of what fleshly confidence says. So really go out and assert yourself in every environment, um, upskill yourself, and then make sure that you're the right kind of independent. So you need other people, but you kind of need other people for what you can extract. And then really what you need to do is be self-sufficient because otherwise people relationships will let you down. So sounding familiar about how we may not say this out loud, but actually the way we go about building our lives is often built on man-made confidence. Don't lean on others for too long. Look the part, say the right things, dress the part, and then when you get far enough down that internal personal confidence, you will, be, you will feel confident. And if you can't get there, fake it till you make it, right? So I don't think it's going well. It's not going particularly well for me trying to build on that. Maybe it's going much better for you. But let's contrast it for, for, to what godly confidence starts to look like. Godly confidence distinctly in the scripture is saying it's not the absence of heat and desert. It's not the absence of pressure or fear or doubt in the middle of tough circumstances. What it is instead is a deep-rootedness, a plantedness of being near enough to him that we can actually learn to trust him. And for that tree analogy, it's a whole lot more about what's going on underneath the surface than it is what's going on above the surface. Although that's beneficial and fruitful and good, it's about the roots that are planted into God. And so I found myself auditing through some circumstances I'll share in a little while with the story. I found myself auditing, how's my confidence in God going? You know, as someone who I think has spent now 20 years in ministry, this is my 20th year working for churches who, who trust God and believes in the gospel and is not having a crisis of faith, I still need to regularly audit where I'm getting my confidence from. And so I've asked myself these five questions that maybe you can ask of yourself this morning as well. So if I'm standing before God honestly and, and prayerfully, question number one is this. Where do I actually believe my security and safety comes from? Do I believe it's possible or do I believe I'm just trying to almost get lucky and avoid what's going on when the day of heat and pressure arrives? Where do I believe it's the safest place for my body and my soul and my family? Do I have confidence in a neighborhood or in a complex or in a, in a state, in a country? Or do I actually believe in the sovereign, kind, goodness of the God over my life? What am I ultimately drawing on? Is it the strength of the flesh or the goodness of God? Question number two, when it comes to banking on the promises of God as knowable and, and, and praying them over my lives and, and living like I believe them, how many of those promises 
are on the tip of my tongue when the day of crisis comes? Do I pray them? Do I know them? Do I dwell on them? Do I meditate them? Do I speak them out? Are they my internal narrative, the thoughts that are bouncing around my head? Or, or do I actually struggle to remember what God's actually promised he's going to do in my life? Do I know them? I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. This is literally my own self-audit. And I think it's really important that we ask these kind of questions of our hearts. Um, question number three Do I hope genuinely in good things to come? Do I believe that Christianity has a good, happy, lovely ending because Christ has won? Or do I actually live out of a fatalistic way where like things are just getting worse and worse and worse and I need to hold on for dear life? How easily do I trust in God? Big, weighty questions, heavy questions, but I'd love us that as we journal over the next 30 days, as we preach over this for the next six weeks, that we keep coming back to this thing of confidence in God is beautiful, but it's also possible. It's possible to plant ourselves in such a way that whatever the desert around us looks like, whatever the pressure, whatever the stress, we are so rooted in God that we don't fear and we don't worry about those days that are coming. And I think the thing that kind of sparked this re-asking of the question for me. I've been prepping to sort of preach this through out November, December, and um, we had a, a weird curveball holiday, as so many of you did, so kind of was quarantining for a whole lot from mid-December, away from family because they were negative and we didn't want to do the, you know, the COVID tag team where you each have it, and then five days later, and then five days later, because we did it last year and missed out on like a whole month of life. And so finally on Christmas Eve, the family's reunited. We head up to the bigger family and have an absolutely wonderful week up there coming back on the 30th of December. And then we did something which we never do. We, um, we got home, dumped all our stuff, uh, took off all our wedding jewelry, all our sentimental stuff which we carry around with us when we we're away and our laptops and all our valuables and then we headed down to Durban. And you probably know where the story is going, right? Driving in the next morning, that gate wasn't open. That dining room chair doesn't live outside by the fence. And then that sinking feeling of kind of walking through your house is every cupboard's open, every drawer's open, and every, every bit of earthly confidence that you kind of hold on to is gone. And interestingly, uh, uh, the guys did a few different trips, and I don't want to spend too much time on the detail, but I do want to tell you about my little blue backpack that I realized has become like a little bit of a symbolism for me of where my, a lot of my earthly confidence is maybe still set. So in this backpack are our three laptops, work, work, and personal, plus they managed to find the, the hidden backups of like all the wedding videos and, you know, music from years gone by. Now all the, your hearts are singing right now. You're good. It's really, you're leaning in there, empaths. I'm loving it. The, but the point is like, uh, I would say it's like it's, it's the, the memories of 12 years together with Christy, Milo's first six months in there, her wedding ring, which is an amazing one-off story, my wedding ring, Milo's birth pendant, three generations of jewelry. And then like they did return trips going through the cupboards where, um, which is a little bit insulting because they, they took a whole lot of like clothes, but then they left a whole lot of clothes. And then you're like, what's, what's wrong with these clothes? Like, I mean, these, are they, they're not that bad. So they would like take out the nice jacket and then leave the not as nice jacket. Anyway, we know that because we found a bag of clothes on the TV down in the bush across the road when the guys, obviously, they stashed it to ferry it. Um, and here's the thing. That little backpack, which also had my ID book in it, you know, the only thing they didn't take, they actually took it out of the side pocket of the backpack, is a 20-year-old NIV with uh, my sermon notes. And you know what I said to God? I said, God, can I have the ring back instead? And can you... I'm oh, just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, none of that stuff is evil or wrong. I want to I say that. We, we're not, like, the, the sermon here is not learn how to be a pauper and live with, you know, nothing and just wear sackcloth every day. I'm actually genuinely praying that God would 
double portion, restore it, protect us, and that it would never happen again. And I'd love you to pray that with us because it, um, it is an amazing feeling, not a nice feeling to have. But I realized that still, after two decades of ministry and so long of knowing Christ, like a bunch of the hope and confidence is in those things, right? A bunch of the stories. But, but the thing is, it got me asking the question, when your confidence is in God, what is the true stuff that, that no one can take? It doesn't rust, it doesn't break, it can't be stolen, it can never be taken away from us. And there is a long list of the salvation of Jesus, the adoption into sonship, the covenant relationships, the memories, the actual relationships. Those hairs on those head, those things, they can't be taken. And even though we have symbols of these things, which are good and which we must pray for protection of and cherish dearly, I'm gonna, I'm still, I've had a good few sobs and I'll probably keep grieving. We're still in the grieving process. But I think the prayer that we started praying straight away was, God, okay to be sad? Please don't let anger or fear invade that place. Please don't let confidence disappear out the door with the stuff because it's stuff. Even though it's the absolute best stuff and even though they took my ID book as well, my literal identity, and I've now got to stand in the queues. Right? That's, the, that's the hardest part, right? So if anyone here is feeling the spirit leading them to come and stand in the queue for me, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I really am joking. Happy to do it. What's in your backpack? That maybe, just maybe, it's too much of the confidences in that retirement annuity, that property, that thing, that, relation, that holiday, that stuff that can be taken. So it's not bad, and God gives blessings, and there's fruit on this tree, and it's evergreen, and there's an abundance, and, and the day of blessing is going to come. It says it in Jeremiah. But man, oh man, that can't be the roots, hey? That can't be the stuff that we're building our life on. So I wanted to ask the question, what's in your and my backpack? What Jeremiah does is beautiful. Your story will be different to mine. Maybe it's more painful. Maybe it's less painful. But the call and the invitation is the same. Come and plant your confidence in me. Come and put your roots next to my living water. Come and let me show you the things that can't be taken away. What does Jeremiah do in uh, verse 14 of chapter 17? He prays these beautiful prayers. And I'm actually going to minister over us in a second um, and ask God to come and do this stuff. But here, listen to how wonderful it is what Jeremiah does. He's assuring himself. He's coaching his own soul. He says, heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are the one, the only one that I praise. Others would say to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. But I have not run away from being your shepherd. You know, God, that I have not despised the day of despair, desire the day of despair. Can we pray? And let's just open our hearts and, and not let this be, this be a theoretical word, but let's actually invite Jesus amongst us to come and coach our hearts and fill us with confidence.